0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, March 1st. The 2024 provincial budget came down earlier this week, so what's the budget have in store for Calgarians? We get the thoughts of Mayor Jody Gondek.
1: Stonewall Recovery Center's Bricks and Mortar Gala is back for its second year. We'll get details on the event and how Stonewall Recovery Center supports the 2S LGBTQ community from last year's honoree, Calgary based business owner and community booster, Diva Dave Richards.
0: And finally, the Canadian Center for Child Protection is sounding the alarm about a new app they're calling Tinder for Kids. We discuss the concerns surrounding the Wiz app with Catherine Tabak, senior manager for CyberTip.ca. Okay,
1: so what was in yesterday's provincial budget for Calgarians and for our city more specifically? Joining us to talk about it and share her reaction to the UCP government's provincial budget is Mayor Jyoti Gondek, who joins us every Friday morning. Good morning, Madam Mayor. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you on this snowy Friday morning, but it's Friday, so we can't really complain. Right. Um, can we complain about the budget, though? Your takeaways as mayor, what was what was your sort of general takeaway from yesterday's budget?
2: I mean, I wasn't overly surprised at the things that were missing in the budget, but I I do have to say I'm disappointed. We were looking for some pretty clear indications that the province wanted to be a partner with us in delivering housing, which is, um, you know, something that's desperately needed in our city. Uh, They have launched their Alberta is Calling campaign, and we remain incredibly concerned that, okay, people are coming, but we don't have housing for them. I'm, you know, worried we're not going to have schools for their kids. We don't have enough health care facilities, so it's pretty vague as to the details and uh, you know we were just looking for more clear indications that they wanted to partner on infrastructure uh, particularly housing on public safety and transit and it's it's just not there in a meaningful
0: way. Earlier we spoke with Shea Ganim, his show is uh, just after our show is kicking off at 9 o'clock, goes province-wide, and I was saying that, you know, I'm I'm having a hard time discerning who's the winner and who's the loser when it comes to, you know, just the everyday Albertan from a budget like this, but I want to get a a broader view from you, Madam Mayor. Uh, Winners or losers, Edmonton or Calgary? Did one city come out better than the other when it comes to this budget?
2: I don't think it's a competition between which city came out better, and I would say, you know, if we heed the call of Alberta Municipalities, which is the organization that provides advocacy for every municipality in this province, they have been saying for a very long time that the funding for infrastructure going to municipalities is $1 billion short in the pot of money that we all share, and we did not see any adjustments to that, so every municipality is suffering from a lack of funding for infrastructure and the only way we can deliver the things that are needed is through property taxes so the provincial government which collects income tax from people is not providing them the services that they deserve and we are left to provide things through the most regressive uh, tax stream which is property tax
1: and I know on that note you had been talking about how police and fire sort of underfunded by the province as well and that the municipalities were having to to take on that burden as well. So there was no money for that in the budget either, was there?
2: No, the $13 million that went missing from our police budget years ago has never been replaced. The $13.5 million that our fire department goes through to respond to medical calls which is not their primary job Uh, that has not been addressed the money that we are spending on taking care of people in positions of vulnerability the 10 million dollars that we've dedicated that's not something that we're seeing a match for so i remain very concerned that calgary property taxpayers are actually on the hook for things that should be coming through the income taxes they pay to the province and let's not forget this year, the province is collecting $94.1 million more out of your property taxes.
0: Oh. I want to ask you this, uh, Madam Mayor, and switching gears here. Uh, this is something that, yeah, what I, what I very much like about civic politics you know the person or you should do your due diligence and know who your counselor is and who the mayor will be we all have an opportunity to vote but what's interesting about it is it's been nonpartisan. partisan uh, but the topic of party politics came up for discussion outside calgary council chambers on tuesday and this is something that's been more in the conversation i guess over the past year or, or several months your thoughts on party politics entering the civic level of government
2: My thoughts on party politics have been clear since day one. I don't think there's a place for them at the municipal order of government. Remember, we are the ones that have to work with whoever is in power, provincially or federally. And I think it becomes incredibly um, untenable if you've got parties locally. What if you're in the party that is not in favour provincially or federally? You're not going to get the things that you need. The best thing about municipal politics is, you know, folks like me who don't align with any of the parties, provincially or federally, but who care deeply about public service and doing the right thing for the citizens of Calgary, we can run and deliver results. And that's what many of us are interested in doing. Can you imagine a world where you have to vote along party lines as a councillor? Like the types of things that we would not be accomplishing it's it's mm-hmm. ridiculous and it shouldn't happen
1: another question i wanted to ask you in regards to the budget is about um, the 200 hundred dollar tax on electric vehicles in alberta do, do you anticipate or was there any word on that trickling down to help with infrastructure with roads in calgary specifically
2: or in specific cities um wow it was sort of one of those things that i don't think anybody saw coming um charging people more to register their electric vehicle is a very bizarre idea to me. Um, Then there was some sort of argument that those vehicles are heavier. Um, I I don't know that I buy that, so this seems strange. And you know, when you combine that with um, the regulations around renewables, what kind of signal are we sending to investors? Like investors who are looking at us as one of the top cities in North America for clean tech, as a city that, you know, is using technology to make sure that we've got sustainability into the future when well, we've got a province that's making moves like this. So it becomes really hard to draw investment dollars to our city when we're facing that kind of rhetoric.
0: Madam Mayor, though I, I just, uh, and again, you uh, this is your world, not mine, but uh, it was my understanding, uh, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that the this tax on electric vehicles is not so much because of the weight of them, but the fact that if I have a gas, uh, you know, uh, powered vehicle, I get taxed on my gas and a good portion of that tax will go to infrastructure and roads that I use as a driver. Are these electric car drivers not using the same roads and they, they essentially not contributing if they're not buying gas?
2: I think there's other ways to pay for the road maintenance and uh, you know you have to remember there's a lot of income streams that are coming into the provincial government. It's not just a tax on gas. Um, Income tax is a very big thing we need to be discussing. If you are paying income tax to a provincial government who is then not providing you with the services and uh, is offloading things to a local government who can only pay for these things through property tax, that's the bigger thing we should be talking about. I I think some of these things are red herrings and I think we're getting caught into um, Uh, you know, rabbit holes rather than talking about the bigger issue writ large, which is we are not seeing money flowing back to Calgary that Calgarians have paid into.
1: We're out of time. We could talk to you about lots today. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Uh, Enjoy the snow. (laughs) Happy Friday, everybody. Have a great weekend. (laughs) Happy Friday. Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Stonewall Recovery's second annual Bricks and Mortar Gala is tonight. Yes, you can still get some tickets and join us. It's a super fun evening supporting a super important cause. Joining us to talk about the importance of the evening is Diva Dave Richards, owner of Diva Dave Salon and Boutique on Eventon Trail who was last year's recipient of the Porchlight Award, which I had the honour of presenting. Good morning to you Dave. Thanks for being in the studio.
3: Good morning my Andrew.
1: We love that you're here with us. Um, Stonewall, if folks don't know, provides 2SLGBTQ+ folks with a fighting chance to recover from substance abuse. It's Canada's first addiction recovery centre for a community. Uh, Dave, why do you think we need facilities, frankly of all kinds, that are specific to helping the queer community?
3: I think the key phrase here is our expectation is safety. Safety more than anything else, a safe space created for them. Um, A lot of the recovery that we are familiar with always have sometimes a religious tend to them a church affiliation. Mm-hmm. And most gays, queers, trans people, they have no connection to churches. They've been rebuked by churches, for example. So they tend to resist going into these facilities because it's almost forced upon them. You either you do this, you believe in God, you confess, or you don't, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's essential having that safe space where they can recover. They can get, be given the treatment, the therapy, the counseling, the support before and after. That's why it's important for places like this. For success. Mm-hmm. It's interesting,
0: I'm on the site for StonewallRecovery.ca, Stonewall Recovery Porchlight Award, celebrating an individual has risen to the challenge of fostering a safe community for queer individuals. So you're doing your thing, yeah, uh, you know, and you're running your business, you've, you've got a family, you're a busy guy, you get yeah. the, uh, you know, the notification that you have won
3: an award. What did that mean to you? I, I think we have this, I guess, the imposter syndrome. You just go about your life, do what you do, do what's best, do do what you know. And so I was very surprised. I, I processed it, and I was overwhelmed after that because I've been in Canada since 1991, and I aggressively built my village, built my new town. From St. Kitts in Calgary. And I've always had a home where there's always extra bedroom, even if it's just me living there, because I don't want anybody sleeping on my couch. Let's start with that. <laughs> <laughs> but so that anybody who needs me can just drop in. And I always have food in my fridge. I always have food in my fridge. And good food. And so being able to take care of new people, strangers, people being sent to me that, you know, you need to talk to Dave, and being able to connect my village. And that having that light on outside always—not a hookah light, people—not a hookah light. <laughs> having that light on outside, where anybody know they're welcome, it meant a lot to me. And I didn't think about it until that was the reason why he went to explain to me.
1: For so, those, for those who don't know about Diva Dave Salon, yeah. tell us about well, like what what do you offer there? Because you do, you know, you do. I am hair a hair cuts, salon. Cetera, I am but. a hair
3: salon. I'm a full service hair salon. Yep. Cut, colors, perms nowadays lately. It's <laughs> back for teenage boys, but I'm a full service hair salon that has created a safe space for everybody in the community. You don't have to be gear straight. But for people who struggle with anxiety, it's a smaller space. So just Keisha and I in there working and we do amazing here. We do amazing work. But it's also a space where you can find LGBTQ and straight cis people sex positive items there's a little room that's discreet there where parents sometimes bring their kids in to educate them and take them on that journey and so it's just this little 650 square foot space above la luna rosa edmonton trail where even if you don't have an appointment you can just come and sit down we eat food all the time. We always have food there. We <laughs> drink tea, coffee, everything, and just come. If you just want to just chill out and be in the ambience of our energy, you're welcome to. And many people do that. So that's what it is. And again, it's, we do not thinking about it. You just create what, what you know, your living room. You move your living room. You, you move your kitchen where everybody assemble for comfort to wherever you go. And that's, that's what Diva Dave has become, really. It's interesting because, you know,
0: something you said, uh, Diva, and and I've read on your Facebook and you and I've known each other for maybe 25 years, I don't even know, um, in the sense that you you mentioned the word villagers and village. I'm wondering, Mm. (laughs) is is this something, is this a a Diva Dave thing or is this, you know, come from you're growing up on the island? Why is it important to you to to have a village? It
3: is cultural. You always hear the the stereotype that's been rampant throughout North America. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to survive. It takes a village to thrive. You can't, no man is an island. And so I was raised by my grandmothers and all the old ladies in Newtown, all of them. They knew my business. And so now I have this blonde, blue-eyed boy I adopted who is growing up in a very Caribbean environment where he goes out and everybody knows his business and everybody knows who he belongs to. And so it's overwhelming for Strickland at times. But he understood a few years ago that I needed that village support from taking him to work every day with me in this first 15 months where my clients helped to feed him, put him to sleep, I did all the diaper changes, and now they are very much a part of his life. We need that. In this stonewall recovery, it is trying to create that village mm-hmm. for people who are struggling with addiction, that they don't have it, that's why they fall through the cracks. We're not going to talk about healthcare system and where it's failing, but it's where people, anybody. Can lose sight of what life is and the value of life when they don't have a village around them. People who really believe them and push them. And sometimes listen to the bullshit that they're spending doing there, you know, just say, I, I hear you. But encouraging them still. Like really listen. Really yeah. listen. Okay.
1: It, you know, in the next year alone, stats show that more than 2,000 2SLGBTQ plus people will die due to adverse drug effects. That mm. doesn't even include those who will die to addiction comorbidities. No. No. But that's why Stonewall Recovery Centre is so important. And tonight's event, the Bricks and Mortar Gala, yes. where someone else will win the award yes. that you yes. won last yes. year, the Porchlight Award. It's just really important that we bring it to the community. And you, you don't have to be queer, gay, no. any... No, it's, no, 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 it's no, no, no. It's a
3: fun event. It is a, as drag shows have proven. Yes. They're not just... for the gays no, it's the straight white girls partying their asses out that go there anyway <laughs> but it is is it's a fun night you know you have artwork you have art auction you have musical performances you have drag performances from amazing drag queens from across North America coming in it is a great night of celebration but at the core the money raised is going to help build the foundation for the Stonewall recovery mm-hmm. and this is the second year you said and I hope we have you know a few private investors thinking about getting involved you know if you have some you can be an ally you could be an ally you know you if you want to be in the shadows do that it's called down low, by the way <laughs> we, it's welcome <laughs> we will accept it sure. we would love to have your support fantastic. your silence makes you complicit
0: sounds like a fantastic event um, you know, uh, congratulations for last year. Thank, you, thank always, you. Once a winner, always a winner. You're going to oh, keep that. You're going to keep that with you, books. just like an Olympic medal. Oh, <laughs> oh, man, thank you're you that so man. <laughs> much, man. You're that man. Thank you so much, uh, Diva Dave Richards, owner of Diva Dave Salon and Boutique on Edmonton Trail. Where can we find you online? Divadave.com,
3: D-E-V-A-D-A-V-E.com. He owns the rights. Divadave.com, yep. and then oh, yes. Stonewall
1: Recovery. Yes. Stonewall. You can yes. go to the website
0: StonewallRecovery.ca. Thanks so much for coming in and. Uh, Bring us a jerk chicken here. Dave, we love you. Fantastic. (laughs) Food is food. Have a great weekend. (laughs) Thank you. The Canadian Centre for Child Protection is sounding the alarm about a new app they're calling Tinder for Kids. Joining us to discuss the issues and what parents need to know is Catherine Tabak, Senior Manager for Cybertip.ca. Good morning to you, Catherine.
4: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. The app is called The Wiz app, W-I-Z-Z. Tell us what this app is.
4: Yeah, so, uh, you know, essentially it's an app um, that really targets for kids to come together and and connect. Um, It has millions of users, and essentially you are, just like you would on Tinder, are swiping um, to connect with individuals around the world. Fascinating.
1: Okay, so, I mean, so many things come into my brain. Um, You know, okay, great, sounds lovely at first, but what kind of safeguards are there to determine who you're actually swiping and then talking to, right?
4: Right, well, and that's exactly the concern is that, um, you know, there aren't enough safeguards on the platform to keep kids safe. We see um, Wiz being... Uh, highly reported into our tip line, especially in comparison to previous years. Um, we know that, you know, this app specifically is being used in the context of financial sex incidents. incidents. Uh, we're, we're losing kids over this type of incident. Um, and, you know, we really want parents to be aware of this app because we feel like it might not be something that they commonly know.
0: I'm wondering when we say targeting kids, what is the exact demo? What age ranges are, uh, you know, expected to be using the Wiz app?
4: Um, so right now with what's being reported into our tip line, I mean, uh, the victimization is typically between ages 15 to 17. Um, we do know that there's kids as young as 11 that are joining the app. Um, but in terms of victimization and what's being reported into our tip line, it's it's pretty easy, um, you know, to circumvent the onboarding process and that age verification piece. And so um, we know that, you know, there's probably kids that aren't being um, aren't being, you know, uh, forthcoming with how old they actually are. Mm. But on the flip side, we also know that offenders are creating accounts pretending to be kids. So um, that's really the the risk that it poses to kids and thinking that they're connecting with similar-aged peers. Catherine, is the big
1: problem here the sextortion issue? Andy and I have done stories on this. I happen to know two families that have fallen victim to it. Their kids have. Is sextortion the main concern here with this Wiz app?
4: It is. Uh, we do see other luring type incidents where offenders are communicating with kids on this app and then moving them to other platforms to continue those communications. Um, but, you know, just since 2021, we've received over 180 reports um, related to this app specifically. Um, and 91% of those cases involved financial sextortion. Mm. Um, and so it's certainly up and coming, and we want to make sure that the word is getting out there.
0: All right. Uh, before we, we go further, because as Sue had alluded to, we have talked about sextortion had experts explain and break down sextortion but for those just tuning in and perhaps never hearing those segments how do we define uh, sextortion and how does that process work
4: Yeah so essentially sextortion is um, typically this is a, a criminal organization that is um, you know, being run from overseas. We often see groups out of Nigeria and Ivory Coast, um, but essentially they're pretending to be, um, you know, either a similar-aged female or maybe a a young, beautiful adult female uh, connecting with victims around the world, pretending to be a female, um, and then they are you know, coercing kids and victims into sending sexual images or video. Um, We also see other tactics being used, um, but that continues to be primarily what's occurring. And then almost immediately, they start extorting them for money. So whether that be gift cards, PayPal transfers, -transfers, e-transfers, or what have you. Um, But essentially, they are pretending to be someone and then immediately start extorting um, their victim on the other side.
1: I like to think, uh, Catherine, that I'm pretty up on what's going on out there, but I did not even know about the Wiz app. So, my next question, and maybe I know the answer already, but what does cybertip.ca suggest for parents and guardians when it comes to monitoring and safeguarding kids online and with this Wiz app, particularly? Because I pay the cell phone bill at my house. So, I think when I go home tonight, it's going to be uh, this is removed from your phone and you're not allowed to have it on there.
4: I mean, that would be the best thing that we would encourage, honestly, especially with the app. There just really isn't the safeguards in place to keep kids protected on the platform. Similar to other platforms, um, I think the difference here is that they really are targeting youth and they are um, advertising their app as a way for kids to connect. And so um, that specifically is, is making it really difficult for us to um, you know, support any sort of platform that, that might... Um, you know advertise to kids in that way i think um obviously this this app specifically is something that most parents and and honestly most people might not know about mm-hmm. because it is targeting targeting youth. Um, You know, we're familiar with the Snapchats and the Instagrams, but we aren't familiar with some of these these other platforms that kids are using. Um, I definitely wouldn't recommend this app, but I think just, you know, continued conversations with youth are really important, keeping that open line of communication so that they know that they can turn to you and they need help. Um, But, you know, having some level of supervision is always something that we would welcome Uh, depending on the age, you know, either direct supervision when they're using certain games or platforms, Platforms, um, but then also just checking in and making sure that you, they know that you are there for them when they need it.
0: Catherine, regardless, of this app obviously uh, you know targeting kids and the younger set, but regardless of which demo an app is, you know targeting, who is ultimately responsible for policing or governing these apps? Is it the tech wizards behind it? Is it government, or is it just land on the shoulders of parents, or is it a combination?
4: You know, I I think for far too long, we've really been putting the onus on parents to protect their kids online. And um, it's really unfair, to be quite honest with you. Uh, If there's a will, there's a way. We know that kids are connecting with people that they don't know using devices that their parents aren't even giving to them. Um, We think that the responsibility absolutely falls on these platforms to start safeguarding kids on their platforms. I mean, they are the ones that are creating And developing these tools to attract kids onto their platforms. Um, And you know, in real life, we have all of these regulations in place to keep kids safe. We simply don't have that online. Mm -hmm. For far too long, we've allowed um, platforms to kind of run the show, so to speak, in terms of what um, is acceptable in terms of safeguards and we've been failing children ever since so it's really time for governments to step in and to start regulating these platforms and setting out expectations of how we're going to better protect kids
1: online. Catherine thank you so much for warning us about the Wiz app and joining us with all this great information today appreciate your time. Thank you. Catherine Tabak senior manager for Cybertip.ca